If you're looking to start a podcast, the best place to start is Anchor. It's free. The creation tools allow you to record and edit the podcast right from your phone or computer. And Anchor will distribute the podcast for you. So you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Uh, You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And it's easy to do everything to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Actually, Dan, the only other Indiana Jones movie that I've ever seen was Crystal Skull. I was. Yeah, really? I, I, I've seen bits and pieces of, of the entire series, but like I, I couldn't tell you what Raiders of the Lost Ark was versus Temple of Doom ter- versus the other one. I know that. What is the other one? Temple of Doom. Last I, I know the names of it. I know the tropes of, of it. I know like, I know like important scenes of it because you know they all have legacy. But I, <laughs> but I have only seen the full two hour plus of Crystal Skull with Shia LaBeouf. I mean, of all the movies, those alien skulls really left the biggest impact, I think. Um, yo, even worse. Even worse. This is 2000. When was this? 2008? Even worse. So I saw it in Arclight Theaters in, in LA. So huge, a huge deal. A huge theater, anyway. And of course, of course, this is bringing it back to, like, bringing it back to Indiana Jones. So, of course, it was just a huge deal to begin with. And I worked a shift somewhere. I think I, I was doing some job and I, I downed a five hour energy drink and I still fell asleep. <laughs> I still <laughs> fell asleep. So, so when I say I watch Indiana Jones, a crystal skull, I mean, I watched about maybe 30 to 40 minutes, fell asleep, woke back up about 30, in, like 30 minutes to the end. And I was like, yes, got him again, Indy. I, that the year it came out, I was working at a pizza place. I was like 15. And we used to have a deal with the movie theaters down the street where we'd give them free pizza and we'd call in free tickets every anytime we That's want. That's amazing. And I remember I remember I was working I remember it was that summer because all the sodas we had in the fridge were like Indiana Jones branded <laughs> Dr. Peppers and oh, stuff yeah, yeah, for yeah. promotion for the movie. Yeah. Um, so I saw it for free. And I don't remember anything about it other than Aliens calls. Well, I'm so happy we spent two minutes talking about a movie we are we're not talking about in this episode. But let's let's just jump right in. This is required watching, where we watch the essential films from the list of cinematic influencers and look at them through the lens of learning about filmmaking and how to move forward. I'm Trey Epps, Danny Taverner. Listen, and today we are talking about none other than Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's right. The very first Indiana Jones back in 1981. This is directed by Steven Spielberg, a story by George Lucas, but written by Lawrence Kasdan, starring, of course, Harrison Ford, Karen Lee, Paul Paul Freeman. There's a lot of actually heavy hitters in here. It's a shame. Alfred Molina's first role. Anyways, in case you don't know what this film is about, in 1936, archaeologist and adventurer Indiana Jones is hired by the U.S. government to find the Ark of the Covenant before Adolf Hitler's Nazis can obtain its awesome powers. How do you lose it? Is misplace <laughs> yeah, it? I guess so. I mean, can I start off by saying one thing? No, I, I actually, I, I won't. I'll, I will save this. No. Okay. No. Okay. All right. Here we go. Damn. I, I have conflicting feelings about this movie. As I just relate to you, I was very bored by the fifth movie. I think I think Crystal Skull is the fifth movie. Mm-hmm. I I think that's fair. Really quick, I think that's fair to say in any 
any fifth movie you're probably going to be bored by. It has five movies that's still interesting. Transformers. I'm looking at you, Fast and Furious. Transformers was really hard to swallow, the last movie. Was, isn't uh, Mark Wahlberg in the last Transformers movie? Like, they've had a lot. Oh, they have, they've had a lot. I haven't seen them all. That said, I think Indiana Jones is the most boring thing I've ever watched. Um, and that's, that's me being really dramatic with this statement. Generally speaking, I think this movie is boring. According to, like, my personal taste, and according to, like, what I like and what I like to enjoy, I think this movie is boring. Here's the kicker, though. I saw a thing. I saw a thing that said they were trying to do a James Bond without any of the hardware. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's, uh, that works. That works. But I guess hardware also includes charm, <laughs> suaveness. It's, 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 it's absolutely surreal to watch this movie and know that everyone likes it. And I'm sitting watching this and I'm like, I am not, I, I, again, the, like the me who just enjoys watching movies, I don't enjoy this. And, and to be completely fair, I don't, I'm not saying it's bad because the controversial opinion is I think it's actually really good. Like yeah. looking at it and, and analyzing it, I think it's really good. I just don't like it. What about it? Is it just his character? Is it like the story? We'll, we'll get into it. And I have some notes. All, off the top of my head, I go, who the fuck is this guy? I, like, I, I, I go, who is this guy? And it's not, it's not a question of intrigue. Like, oh, Clark, like Clark, like, you know, who's Superman? Um, yeah. It's much more like. Especially we're like, why is he so like why is he a whip and why is he so good with it? Like this is not a thing that archaeologists around the world are are known for. Also, I like after his initial adventure, like the cold open. Which was fantastic. He goes back to he goes back to his classroom and he's just like, Oh, had a crazy weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta go back to teach again right. one day. Like this guy like this I think this guy is certifiable to go through all that and then go to teach and like collect people's homework. Like that's insane. Also, I think it'll be much I think it'd be much more entertaining if he were teaching people to do what he does. Oh, and he made like a little team. Like I, I want to see him like fucking teaching people how to crack lips and to like dot. Like, Cause I, I would argue, I would argue that he's essentially a superhero, right? Like he's like the, mm-hmm. and, and that's the thing I enjoy. I enjoy that. He's like a quote unquote normal guy. The same way Batman's like a normal guy who happens to have like some skills that makes him better in like these. He's situations. like a, a vigilante for, Artifacts, artifacts, <laughs> and that and like that, I truly appreciate. <laughs> not today, Nazis. The Nazi thing also really threw me off. It, it truly threw me off. I was like, "Why are we? What's up?" From a from a movie making standpoint, if you're starting a movie franchise like this, and you're Spielberg and Lucas, great choice to make the Nazis the bad guys in the first Absolutely. film. Because we're gonna root for Indiana Jones, regardless of how questionable his entire life exactly. is. Exactly, but see, exactly. I also I love I love how human he is. Right, like he leaves what's her face tied up. You know, he he has this great phobia that just come, like just so happen happens to come back into into play with the snakes. Like there's, there's so many great elements at work here, but it didn't. It wasn't lively enough for me at this at this moment in 2021. Again, having not seen the whole thing fully through, I think everything about this movie is so technically right, and like everything about this movie makes sense, but it didn't grasp me. And I was, I was, I was just trying to fi- figure out like what it was about it. And I, here, here's what I think it is. Yeah, I think. Okay. <laughs> sorry, I know I'm rambling. I think. No, no. I think it's like old Marvel movie, old Marvel comic book status of like 
But like the first Captain America has like Captain America punching Hitler on it. And it's like, it's almost, it's almost tropey for the times that it's in, but trying to like mm-hmm. elevate it into whatever mold, what, you know, the eighties was, was after. And I think, I think there was a lot of, I read that like the the box office it was a box office slump, and this movie and Superman two were like the movies of that summer that really gave it a bump up. So I think I think everyone was kind of craving this kind of movie. Everyone was craving a superhero that wasn't a superhero, like a normal everyday guy who was going out on these adventures, kicking you know Nazi ass and doing the damn thing. Well, I mean, it makes sense that like because it is is taking that like pulp like jungle adventure. Right. Like classic story, exactly, and then beefing it up, and, and it, so it makes sense that people in the eighties were like, "Yeah, I grew up reading these books and watching exactly. these exact terrible movies. This is a good one." Well, that, that's exactly what it is, and it, it says something like Lucas conceived Raiders of the Lost Ark in the early seventies, seeking to modernize the serial films of the early twentieth century, and like that, like that's what I mean about like the comic book like twist on things, how we all just like needed to rally around mm-hmm. something, and like I. It's it's almost like they they made they made something old and made it new, but then when you when you put that when you put that onto you know what thirty some some odd years later, it 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 feels so old and dated and not not the way the mechanics of a modern film is run now? Question mark. I, I'm not sure if I'm explaining that yeah. properly, but again, so you're saying we're overdue for a new updated Indiana I mean, Jones? I mean, I. <laughs> We we're we having one one way or another. So, because they've they just rebooted it, didn't they? Or not rebooted it, but like there are another sequels coming out. So, there's that. Oh, great! But uh, but there's also the aspect of, and I want to. You've have you seen them all? I feel like I'm asking you because I I haven't seen them or looked it up properly. I think I have. When we were talking before, I realized only a few scenes in each movie stick out to me. Yeah. So I'm not sure if I've seen the entirety of every single one. Okay. So like I know I've seen the one with his dad. Which one was that? Which one is that? The Last Crusade? Okay. Oh, I have seen oh, them all. I, yeah, I've definitely seen the one with his dad. Like that's what I'm saying. I like wh- Oh, because Temple Temple of Doom is the one with short round. Sure. <laughs> the kid. But like what what's the level of magic in this movie? <laughs> Explain that to me. What's the level of magic? What's happening in this film? There, there feels like, right, I, I'm not sure when this will be released, but soon we'll be talking about Midsummer. And one thing that I personally love is like the folklore of pretty much anything. Like give me Greek tragedies, give me like the Grimm, uh, the Brothers Grimm, give me, like give, give it to me. I love it. I think there's something really interesting and imaginative about all of that. And I think when you put that into like, okay, we're going, I mean, it's not about Egyptians. We're like, okay, we're going into an Egyptian pyramid and we want to take this like secret thing and there's booby traps and, and X, Y, and Z. And like this thing is worth however much it's worth. I think, okay, booby traps, I'm on board. <laughs> Boobies, boobies it. any kind of boobies <laughs> with it. But then like the arc, the arc itself, I think was the only time in the movie. And this wasn't until the third act where we're seeing like magic take place. And everything until this has been very much like real life. Right. Like straightforward. Like it's just artifacts. It's nothing right. magical. Right. Oh, wait. It's all magic. <laughs> it's all. And then I, and then I set the question. I'm like, 
because it because it, it feels it feels cool right because you're like oh i did not expect that and like the the, the of course in the 80s you're like oh you know the george lucas company did the, the special effects and all this and it feels very cool but as i watch it again as i watch it today i'm like what were we watching the same movie like this came literally out of nowhere that's like watching up and then having like a regular human person suddenly walk through uh the frame you know what i mean so we like, i would not be opposed to a live action up I legit think they should make a live action up. I don't mean like Broadway musical up. I mean like live action up. Get some cute kid yeah. that we can. Uh, what's her? What's her name? Butters. What's her face from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Julia Butters. Do you remember from Once Upon a Time? She's like she. I feel like she's like the latest kid obsession as far as actors go. Who is acting against? Like get her. Get her to be like the the, the kid, and hell, get Harrison Ford or some somebody to be. Larry, Larry David, get, get Larry David. Yo, I'd watch that. I would, I would watch that. I, you know, that should, that should be a benefit show on TikTok. Support our Patreon <laughs> to help us fund this idea that we have, <laughs> and just, just have no script for Larry David. Just have people improv, improv, improving this. So, anyways, the the first scene I thought, much like uh, Clint Eastwood in in that movie that we reviewed not too long ago. Dirty yes, Harry. Dirty Harry. I thought, oh my gosh, like like these iconic scenes are happening in the very beginning. Like, incredible. So soon. Incredible. I was, I was all about it. You know, he gets double-crossed. We meet some of the players. So I, I got to admit, some of the Nazis all look the same uh, to me. Like, it was hard. For- I think that was what Hitler was going for. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God, that's so funny. I didn't realize what I was saying. That, that's hilarious. Tim, I, I have nothing else to say against that. Wait, so despite despite what you've said so far, do you get the appeal? Like, do you see why people oh, love 100%. it? Hundred percent. I'm I'm of two minds. I am not shitting on this film. I can tell you, I I want to t- I want to say what my personal taste is, but it, like just because I like something doesn't mean I think it's required. Just because I I hate something doesn't mean I think it's not required. Mm-hmm. But it also doesn't mean that I don't you know see the the. Yeah, why, why it's loved and why it should be something that people look at. I think this is our first. I I feel like we could have picked a better movie. No, did we do? We didn't do E.T. I feel like. I don't think. Oh, it's been so long now. Maybe on the the last iteration of the pod? Maybe. Anyways. Okay. Fair enough. You know what? I think I did E.T. alone last year. So thanks, thanks for the I'm invite. So sorry, but it's, it's our first. It's our, it's our first. Yeah, yeah, definitely could have done a better Spielberg. It's it's sad to say. I'll, I'll be honest. It's really sad that we we chose this as the first Spielberg because Spielberg has a just a wide breadth of of film to choose from, and he has such an interesting career. I really wish, I really wish we could maybe maybe as a Patreon series or something like that. I would love to pick like directors with like really long credits and choose like their first film their latest film and like something in the middle to see like oh, what yeah, their progression like their was quote unquote yeah. best. i think that'd be really interesting if you want to see that or hear that yeah. please i like that idea please comment you know who has a crazy career who harrison ford harrison ford go on go on do you know the story of him getting cast in star wars no he was george lucas's carpenter he was like renovating George Lucas's house. What? And he was just working as a carpenter. He was in Hollywood, like trying to be an actor, but working carpentry jobs sure. on the sure. side. And just 
sparked up this friendship with George Lucas, and he was like, "Hey, you should try out for this movie I'm making called Star Wars." Wait, and what? the rest is history. I mean, yeah. first of all, I'm looking at his <laughs> looking at his IMDb as we speak, and that can't be further from the truth. Right? Right? Hold on. Where where's where does Star Wars fall on his? Is it? I mean, this is one of those things I read on the internet several years ago, and I've <laughs> told people since. I truly love that. So I could be embellishing without realizing. I mean, he, he no. I mean, first of all, I believe that there's obviously truth. I always thought that was the thing. Oh yeah, I, I always forget that A New Hope is the first one because I was like, why does it say Episode Four? Let me find the first one, and like that doesn't make sense. So Episode Four came out in '77. This movie came out in '81, and before that, he has a. I would say a solid 20 TV and, and TV movie credits. <laughs> so I, I believe that he was doing this, but he was definitely a working actor. Like he was working. Not happy with the roles being offered to him. Ford became a self-taught professional carpenter to support his then wife and two young sons. And a casting director got him hooked up with George Lucas. Oh, for American Graffiti. And then Star Wars. I yeah, I was I was just about to call out. Can we let's, let's just stop for a second talking about storied filmographies and, and backgrounds. So George Lucas, Spielberg, De Palma, a few other directors all have like this director group gang, right? Of like those seventies, yeah, guys. yeah, which I find really fucking interesting, and that we never call out. Like we never talk about George Lucas and Steven Spielberg being like really close. We never talk about how these people were so close to each other. And then, and then to have wait, Ron Howard's in American Graffiti, and then yeah, and then to have like like, I feel like I feel like this at this point in time when George Lucas and, Sp- and Spielberg and De Palma, when all these guys were kind of getting together, they were like the new kids on the block. They were the new people who were turning around cinema and and kind of getting away from you know the old Hollywood of things. Well, it was like the transition from that like golden age of like sixties and seventies, right, into kind of more. Like popcorn movies, right? Yeah, I absolutely. Again, again, this movie is up against Superman too. So, like, we're, we're, like it's definitely a- also yeah. All those guys look like they could be my uncle. <laughs> here we go. Here we go. It's so it's, it's Spiel- Spielberg, Scorsese, De Palma, George Lucas, and Coppola. Like, like, talk about fucking heavy hitting directors and just filmmakers who do it up, right? I did add, um, you may have saw, I saw, I added Godfather to the list. And I added Godfather to the list as a trilogy and not as one movie. So it, I, we can decide later if we're going to do each movie as a podcast. I, I think we, actually we should do it that way. But like at this point, we're covering, we're covering so many, we're covering so many of these directors already as like these are directors who have had undeniable hits in 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 filmmaking culture, and it's it's important to know that we we acknowledge them for who they are because now now we're at a different turn in in filmmaking where we have you know Taika Waititi and and like what he's doing and like I want to say Paul Rudd and that's not who I'm thinking of Judd Apatow and and you know mm-hmm. like, like just completely scattered but like all the, we have all these directors now who are creating something very, very different. And I'm, I'm actually interested to see if we end up having, like somewhere down the, down the line, if we end up having a group of a group of directors that we can point to and, and go, like these were, like these were the, the gang of, of filmmakers that 
that kind of shaped what we oh, have. Oh yeah, I think absolutely, especially with like I I don't know if there's been a as strong a shift as there was like in the eighties yeah. in terms of like filmmaking styles. But we do see a lot more indie movies, A twenty four style movies yeah. lately that have become like the the aesthetic of this decade, if you will. Yeah, of our of our time, quote unquote. And I think, yeah, yeah, I think that's super important. I think it's really important. I mean, we're, we're, it's hard to talk about. And look, I, I'm, not, I'm in no way trying to bring this to an end because we, we haven't we barely talked about the movie. But it's hard to talk. It's hard not to talk about this movie and talk about what this movie means in terms of filmmaking. And I, I really hope. You know, like I said, we're talking about Midsummer, and we're talking, it'd be our second Ari Aster film that we're doing, and he's certainly included in in those those filmmakers who listen. Like they may not be a group of, a group of buddies, but like those filmmakers who are in the twenty first century, changing the way we look at it. Like Eighth Grade and like Bo Burnham's film, and and like Greta Gertwig and and like Jordan Pete. Like those people are changing the way we look at things, even so much like. What's that movie that was shot on my phone? Tangerine. Tangerine. Like things are things are changing. Well, it, it's funny that for the most part, with a few exceptions, all those movies we both just listed, or those filmmakers, are almost a polar opposite to the other group that we we're talking about. Exactly. The group of those 70s and 80s guys. Yeah. Like they were big, bold, big budgets. Yeah. Like they were just going ham. Yeah. And now it's seems like everyone's reeling back tightening it up more indie more like small budgets small productions i mean this movie was 20 million on budget excuse me excuse me the budget was 20 million (coughs) i i i assume that's for a 1981 standards which is a massive deal i think 20 million now is a massive deal and i'm curious i was talking to talking to a mutual friend of ours tavis and we're talking about AMC and going back to movies and like, like we're not even talking about the pandemic, right? Like before the pandemic, going to a movies was hard. It was hard. Like not, maybe not so much for people like you and me who got movie pass, who got the AMC stubs thing, who, who RIP for sure. Um, Those were the days. But see, like we enjoy movies, but we also can't afford to go, like we live in big cities. We can't afford to spend $20 on a movie. And there are people who Mm -hmm. just didn't do this. And, and like, of course, like it was, it's, it, it was, and still is a battle to get people to go to the movies. But I I wonder all that to say, I wonder, like, I I wonder if all of that has to do with like budget, because it's like fine. If, if HBO and Warner want to spend hundreds of millions of dollars for the Snatter cut, but no one's putting that out for the Florida project. No one's offering people millions and millions of dollars for the, for these movies, movies that end up getting Oscar nominations. Mm-hmm. Now, I wonder if it's, if it's only like this resourceful thing that filmmakers have to do to tell their stories. Well, you have to, yeah, you have to keep in mind that, like you said, people aren't going to the movies as much, even outside of the pandemic. So, to spend all that money for something that someone's going to watch on their computer or even their phone. It's like, damn, I'd rather focus on the story itself and building characters than like a giant boulder rolling and chasing a guy. And that's, that's real talk. That's, it's absolutely real talk. I mean, I was about to point to something with the, with the budgets for the, for this year's best picture nominations. 
but Knives Out, like not like we just heard, Knives Out is going to get two sequels from Netflix. Now, I, I I am no one to say what Ryan Johnson, an, another great filmmaker, what Ryan Johnson's intentions are, or what Netflix's intentions are, or whatever it is. But first of all, the fact that the fact that Netflix has this much money is insane. But <laughs> also, like the fact that there were we don't get to hear about bidding wars between studios or, or whomever, but you would have guessed from the success of knives out, which was a surprise hit for a lot of people when it came out that studios would have been like, we will give you the money to make two more of these. You would think that that would just be mm-hmm. the case. And I feel like because it went to Netflix, I'm not shitting on Netflix. Netflix is super powerful and I hope to work with them one day, but you would think that you know the same the same production company the same studio would have been like no like no we are going to make sure that you produce these with us but my my guess is they didn't see the value in it and that's a real shame because I think I think there is a value and not only do audiences love to watch these things but yeah I think there's a value that people just don't end up considering. You say some things I'm going to look up these movies very quick. I don't get the hat. I'll be honest. <laughs> I think this movie did a lot of good things, but I think it also did a lot of bad, namely guys wearing fedoras. Do you think that was just, see, I feel like it's a practical thing for like the sun, but I I feel like there are better hats though, like a wider brim. I don't know. It just bugs me. Well, I saw that this movie led, or maybe the entire franchise led to an increase in people studying archaeology. That makes sense, but also why? Because they thought they, they thought they would get some. Also why? <laughs> they thought they would get to some art. I've seen this movie several times. Never have I finished it and gone. <laughs> I want to go into years of schooling to do exactly this. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I I I don't get it. I'm afraid it seems like a very. It's. It, I I have a friend who wanted to study archaeology. Or who like studied it in like as a BA and wanted to get into like masters or you know a doctorate and such, and she's like, it's very rare, and, and I don't know if it's true, but she's like, it's very rare that you actually go out on digs, and I, and I thought about it and I was like, yeah, that makes sense, that, like that makes sense. There's only so many places that you can dig, and and yeah, like what's like what's the process? Like what, what? How do you? Yeah, I don't know. I think of archaeologists and I think of just like rocks and fossils, and like I I can't imagine that's the extent of what's being archaeologist is yeah i have a feeling it's not nearly as exciting (laughs) i have an uncle who is an archaeologist and works for the peabody museum in new haven and now that i'm thinking of timelines i feel like he's the age where he might have been inspired by this movie (laughs) i part of me wants to say call him right now that first first class of archaeologists after the summer of 1981. That makes me so happy to hear. I really, I truly wish you can call him right now and find out if that's the case. Oh, that's so funny. I really hope, I really hope he, that's the reason why. I, I just have to say, upon upon some further research, the best, best picture, 2021, nominees have budgets ranging from $35 million to $2 million. And I would, I just want to tell you of that range. Wait, 35 is the high end? 35 is the highest, the highest. Yes. And it's, it's, it's probably the, the movie that, you know, rightfully so, just to give you a, just to give you a uh, taste of the nominations. It's The Trial of Chicago 7, 
Mank, Nomadland, Minari, Promising Young Woman, The Father, and Sound of Metal. I think I'm missing one. Maybe, maybe not. That's that's an order of uh, highest to lowest. No, it's not the order of highest to lowest, but surprisingly, almost. Because I was going to say Chicago Seven, the budget's probably all salaries of well, the main cast. Well, you know what? If if that's if that's your guess on the highest budget, you are absolutely right. It's thirty five thousand. Uh, sorry, thirty five million. And of course, you have seven seven stars. So like of the Chicago Seven, it's seven known actors let alone any supporting and they have a lot of they have a lot of extras they have a lot of like big scenes that aren't in the courtroom so yeah like that makes sense to me mm-hmm. but like nomadland is five million D- uh, minari is two million and i think that's the lowest minari is two million which doesn't have a lot of anything but two million is nothing it's nothing to shoot a film nothing i, I could say. do two million i mean i could do two <laughs> Yeah, Judas and the Black Messiah was twenty six million, like briefly. So, well, I have a lot going on in that film. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I don't know. We're, we're talking about a lot in this film that isn't Indiana Jones. Let's see. Do I have anything else? So again, I was just much more confused about what the sequels were like because of the magic element. But you know, thinking mm-hmm. about the Crystal Soul, I imagine that there is at least a part of it that a part of the films that have some sort of like magical threats, legendary folklore kind of kind of. Uh, Right. I, I have I have my notes. Why would anyone want to do this? <laughs> and it's not related to anything. Because it needs to be in a museum. <laughs> also, isn't he just stealing shit? I mean, exactly. Exactly. Also, he has a gun, so he's murdering people. Like he's being he is murdering people. And I I love in that scene where he's where you know the, the swordsman is is you know waving his big sword around, which I almost classic, feel like classic Indiana Jones scene. Yeah, which I kind of feel is kind of racist, by the way, that this big <laughs> big guys just you know anyway. oh, i'm sure we could find essays and articles about indies colonial yeah i don't know just him stealing <laughs> artifacts from other cultures and put in uh, english and american museums <laughs> some subtext there also I, I, re- oh, I was just gonna say comparing movies with similar themes and characters what are your thoughts on indiana jones versus National Treasure. No, because it's pretty much the same movie. Where no one can fuck with Nick Cage, bro. <laughs> I would say put the two together. I'm watching I'm watching National Tre- Treasure every day. Actually, you know what? Just put the two together. Let let the next Indiana Jones movie, I'm with- let the next movie have uh Nick Cage in it. I, I would I would fuck with. Honestly, that's not a bad idea for the remake or sequel or whatever they're doing it, it's it is a sequel it is in fact a sequel what was i gonna say what? just an old ass harrison ford and a slightly younger nicholas cage i mean harrison ford needs to sit his ass down now i don't i like i i just don't it it doesn't feel like he's acting at this point it only feels like he's showing up oh. for money not not, not not that he's showing up <laughs> he's showing up and he's like i'm grouchy Right. Are we shooting today or not? Right. This is what I got to be in? <laughs> and they're like, for the character. <laughs> so you're going to play a curmudgeon. Right. Great. He's become, he's like taking over Clint Eastwood slowly but surely. I, I do, I do want to see him. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know what his last thing was, but I want to see him way more like enthusiastic about his roles. That'd be great. He doesn't know the meaning of the word. I, <laughs> I, I met, I met Harrison Ford actually. 
random story. I met Harrison Ford at a costume. Uh, it was at an, a Hollywood award ceremony. Whatever. Not a big deal. Halloween costume party. <laughs> I was like, are you sure it was him? Uh, <laughs> Why are you wearing that? And he was all about it. The week before, sorry, the week after, he, he crashed his plane. Oh, shit. I remember that. And I was like... Not gonna lie, I was kind of like, I wish I took a photo of Harrison Ford. I did not do that. But also, people need to fucking chill out flying their own planes. I don't trust airplanes. And I feel like I feel. Like, I, feel I haven't like, been. I haven't been higher than three stories in the last year <laughs> due to the pandemic. <laughs> I've never been afraid of heights, but I have a feeling this last year has done a number on me. And I'm very worried to be on a plane next. I just want I just want you to live record your entire experience. Listen, let's wrap this bitch up. We've been talking about this for too long. Dan, go first. No, I, you know what? You know what? I'll go first. We'll go at the same time. Let's just talk over each other. So I think I, I really I really did not enjoy this movie as <laughs> as just a, a mere watcher of it. However, looking at this film from a critical point of view, I think it's fantastic. I think there are a lot of things to learn from this movie. I, th- I, th- I think when you talk about collaboration and working together, and I-, I think the word networking gets a bad rep, and like talking about this group of filmmakers is a is a really great example of going, I don't have the skills to do this right now, as in George Lucas, I, I don't have the means to do this right now. Uh, let me t- Let me collaborate with a friend of mine to make this work. And to make like it turn into a, a series, never mind the fact that you yourself have a, a, a humongous series on your hands. It's just a testament to, again, to, to collaboration. I think there's so many things to learn about the behind the scenes of, of this film. I struggle to say that it's required. I'm not going to lie to you. But I do, I, I, I think from a purely, which is the point of this of, of this podcast, purely from like learning about filmmaking, this is a required film. It, again, it pains me to say that. I, I don't I don't think this film is for everyone, and I don't think every film is for everyone. But yeah, I, I think I think you can't you can't help but to take away a lot of, of things from this like turning point in our life cycle of of filmmaking. To the listeners, Trey has tears in his eyes. That's how much it pains him to say <laughs> It hurts. It hurts. Yeah, I have to agree. It's required. I mean, I think mostly as a cultural, like, touchstone of what the action-adventure movie turned into yep. during that, that decade. Because it influenced a lot of movies we see today of how how the stories laid out how things progressed how the like it it kind of gave us the blueprint for this kind of action adventure and for the time like i i see how they took their source material or at least like the inspiration for their source material of that genre of storytelling and really pumped it up and gave that a, gave it that extra boost so it wasn't a cheesy kind of look down upon genre yeah yeah and kind of elevated it a bit so yeah required oh hot damn well listen dude that said thank you everyone for for listening um <clears throat> if you enjoyed this film let us know i mean i'm sure we've talked not very much about this film in the 30 some odd minutes that we've been reviewing it but 
Let us know what you liked, what you didn't like. And if you want to support this podcast, share it with a neighbor, share it with a friend, share it with someone you want to torture or someone you think would enjoy this. This podcast is meant for all intentions. But if you want to catch us on social media, I am at Trey Epps on Twitter and Trey.Epps on the Instagrams. Where you at? I am at Danny Tavener everywhere. Everywhere. And if you want to catch the show, we are at Required Watch everywhere. So... Listen, 40 minutes, one of our longer runs. But thank you so much for listening, and we shall catch you next time. Laters. Peace.